Did you guys watch uh, the fight last night? Mike we Tyson? didn't. We were going to, but then we ended up watching a movie instead. What'd you watch? Knives Out. Oh, that's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, it was, it was really entertaining. And what'd you think? Had you seen it? No, I hadn't seen it before, but I really liked it. It was, um, it was clever and funny at the same time. Wasn't expected. Yeah, it's one of the like the only movies I can think of that by the end I was legitimately surprised by the twist. Yeah. You know? Cuz like every time you watch a mystery movie, it kind of like falls into like a couple categories where you're like either it's, you know, the person that I least expect or it's someone I have no idea was even a character or this was all a dream. You know, it's like, it's pretty hard to think of an ending to a mystery murder, murder mystery movie that actually surprises you. But that one was good. That one was like way surprising. Yeah. It's really funny too. Yeah. And, yeah, it is funny. And there's like the racist uncle and stuff. Yeah. Isn't there that like a grandma who's looking through the window or something and actually sees the girl like getting like when she's running away after she like killed the guy she like sees the girl but she's like totally senile so she doesn't know it's her or something yeah it's pretty funny yeah that is funny did you hear what happened in the fight i know i didn't hear it was nuts so do you know who jake paul is yeah youtuber yeah he fought nate robinson who do you know who that is he's a basketball player he was a really short guy that won the dunk contest a bunch of times okay well they fought and he jake paul who is not a professional athlete like embarrassed him he like wrecked nate robinson yeah it was weird he he knocked him out like cold um, and, and Nate was like super aggressive and super quick. And like, you could tell, cause he's played professional basketball and professional football. Um, and Jake Paul is just like a YouTuber. Right. And he like totally owned him. And then Mike Tyson's fight was cool too. He was like, just as ferocious as ever. Oh my gosh. He is like, he's 54 years old. He's like the same age as dad. And he's out there just like raining shots on this guy it was insane he's a beast that's crazy yeah yeah no it was nuts um but makes you like realize how like if you were to actually get in a fight with someone who knew what they were doing they could really mess you up (laughs) yeah have you seen that that super viral mma highlight with a guy like kicks and the other guy catches his foot and he like spins around and kicks him with his other foot in the face and knocks him out oh my gosh yeah i've seen that it's like right out of like dragon ball z right it's like it's the craziest thing i've ever seen oh my gosh yeah, he like catches his one foot so he like flips on the other side and knocks him out and he like knocks him out cold doesn't he yeah oh mma i don't know i don't know if i have the stomach to watch mma it is like so brutal when you were watch it's it is really fun um when you were on your mission i don't know if you heard about like all the the conor mcgregor fights that happened Mm -mm. you know conor mcgregor yeah 
So he was probably pretty big when you left, but like the Mayweather fight, were you here for the Mayweather fight? Yeah, I think that was pretty soon before I left. Okay, so that was the big one. Um, but he also had another fight with a guy named Cowboy Cerrone. And that was like his big comeback. He'd been out for like a couple years. And Cowboy, I don't know a lot about MMA, but I know Cowboy was like a, like a all-time great, has like the record for most fights or something, really tough looking dude. Anyway, Connor knocked him out in literally like 13 seconds. <laughs> It was Crazy. nuts. He came in and they like hugged. You know how they do that? Um, he, they kind of he like jumped at him with a knee and they ended up hugging. And so he like started hitting him with his shoulder and like, like broke his nose with his shoulder. So he's like falling back. And then he's like, you know, trying to fix his nose. And then he just knocks him out. It was nuts. Crazy. Yeah, seriously. And then he he ended up he lost his big loss was to i think it's pronounced khabib mm -hmm. he's a like russian guy right mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's actually so did the is he like a russian hero i mean you were in russia for two years yeah everybody started wearing the big hats you know that he so i see, I see a lot of people wearing those people yeah people really liked him what's the story do you know what is what's the i don't know I think it's like sheep wool or something. <laughs> Cause I know we, we made a friend who worked at a hat shop in the market and he sold those kind of hats there. And he's like, yeah, see this? Like this is the, the same kind that could be wore. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> I think I'm not gonna buy it, but thanks. Thanks. You look like a cartoon character, but <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one of my companions met a guy who was Habib's neighbor in Moscow. Hmm. What did he say about him? Was he a good neighbor? I don't know. <laughs> um, he is like the most stereotypical like Russian fighter. Like there's footage of him when he was a kid, I guess like wrestling a baby bear. Have you seen that? <laughs> awesome. Huh? Yeah. And like, his dad, there's a footage of him like swimming across like a frozen river or something to train and like, yeah, like bare knuckle boxing in the cold forest. And, you know, like one of those guys that yeah. it's just, you hear someone's Russian and you immediately have all these stereotypes. And then you hear about a guy like this who actually, you know, it's like tough as nails. Uh, it's just funny. Probably eats like beef jerky as his bubble gum, you know. Did I ever tell you about the workout place in the forest when I was living in Moscow? Oh my gosh, yeah, I, I remember it briefly. Tell me about it. So we only went a couple of times, but basically it was by this frozen lake in the middle of a forest, kind of in the, like the east of Moscow. And when you're in there, it doesn't feel like you're in a city, even though it's one of the biggest cities in the world, but it just feels like you're in the middle of nowhere. And then you ran along this trail for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And there's this little pond, kind of like lake. It's completely frozen over, but there are these bunch of old dudes that would poke a hole in the ice, get down to speedos, and then jump into the water at like 6 a.m. in the winter. And so it's it just so cold. And then they had all these, these bench presses and um, squatting racks made from car axles. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> so you'd go and you'd bench press just like this axle for a car and they had different size vehicles for heavier weights. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, there were other ones that people had made out of just like sticks with these huge like logs on either side. It was, it, was, it felt like Rocky. Seriously. <laughs> That is like right out of Rocky. And it's like actually outside in Russia by a frozen lake. That is nuts. Yeah, it was such a, it was a cool place. That's super cool. Did you get any pictures of it? Uh, I wish I had a picture. I know some people had pictures. Maybe I'll see if I can snag one. That is so awesome. Oh my gosh. I want to go there at least once. Even if you don't like, it just feels like just being there would make your testosterone go up, you know? <laughs> Yeah. It's just like a bear wandering through, you know, midway through the workout. <laughs> That'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. That's so cool. Was Russia like how it's portrayed, you think? Um, I mean, there's certainly a lot of truth to it, to the portrayals, but I wouldn't say completely. A lot of the stuff is kind of hammed up for, you know, for movies and stuff like they do with everything, but yeah what do you think aspects yeah what what would you say was accurate and what wasn't um accurate people don't really smile on the streets unless it's like your friend Mm -hmm. you know them and they would smile so i would always get really strange looks for smiling at strangers on like the subway or buses and stuff Hmm. um i wonder why that is is it is the cold like play a part in that? Is it genetic? Is it just like years of people acting a certain way has just like, you know, trained the community to be that way, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I know in the winter when it would get really cold, my first winter was colder than the second one, but there was one time we were walking around for several hours outside and it actually did, it hurt to smile. <laughs> Like, I can't afford these muscles <laughs> right now. That is so funny. It hurt to smile. <laughs> yeah, because you, you just like clench your jaw and shiver a little bit. <laughs> I remember hearing that you, you said something about how like you can't buy uh, American um, jackets and like winter gear. You have to go to Russia and buy the gear in Russia because like it's like we don't even have gear good enough to withstand the Russian cold here. You can only buy it there. Yeah. Most of the coats that I saw here were pretty, pretty wimpy. And so the one I had there, I wish I had brought it home, but I left it. It was super warm. It was probably like that thick. I don't know if you can see like that. And then I had a hood with real fur around it, like fox fur around the edge of the hood. Mm-hmm. That's a nice coat. Really, the only thing I know about Russia, I've learned from Rocky and from <laughs> Anastasia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, she's the like the princess of Russia, like in the 1800s or something. Is that it? Yeah, so the the last king of Russia, I think it was Nikolai II, mm-hmm. right before the revolution, the communist revolution, it was his daughter. And so they, the revolutionaries murdered the whole family. 
except they apparently didn't find her body. So that's where the legend came up of her still being alive. So what, like, what do we think happened then if they never found her body? Like, what's the prevailing theory? I don't know. <laughs> I've read a little bit about it. Um, there are rumors of like, they actually did find her remains, but they weren't sure if it was her. Or I think like the, they had family in France because the Russian monarchy was kind of mixed with the French and stuff like that. And so they, she might've escaped to France and lived with relatives there. So. so it was the monarchy and then the communist revolution. And then is that, was that led by Stalin? Yes, I think the original revolution was led by Lenin and then Stalin took over. Did Stalin, so did he have to overthrow Lenin or were they one and the same? Like, was that like his predecessor or was that his enemy? I think it was just his predecessor. Okay, so Lenin was the first and he was the communist that overthrew the monarchy and then Stalin just like followed in his footsteps. Yeah, I think, I think that's correct. I need to check my history, but I'm pretty sure that's how it was. Yeah, I don't know um, a lot about Russian history, but I, I find communist history very interesting, especially Russian and like German, not that it's communist, but German history, like when things go so wrong, it's very interesting to me to find, look at the roots of why, you know, why they went wrong. Like, for example, when they overthrew the monarchy and they created communists, my guess is that the monarchy had like a huge wealth disparity, right? Probably it's like, they probably overthrew Anastasia's dad because there was like a big wealth gap. That's my guess. Really, really poor people, really, really rich people. Then they created communism. And that's kind of what, people want to do right now not as dramatic but like people want democratic socialism and stuff like that and it's in large part due to the wealth gap that we have now so it kind of freaks you out sometimes if you think about it yeah it's um it's very interesting you know there's the joke that people say you know the the only thing wrong with communism is they had the wrong leaders but <laughs> um the thing is it's kind of true you know there's there's always people that are kind of hungry for power and that, like, yeah, there was disparities between the monarchy and the, you know, whatever, the peasantry. And then so they thought that socialism and communism would be a proper response, but then they just created different disparities in a different way. Yeah. Instead of a disparity based on a system of uh, meritocracy, for better or for worse, and I don't know enough about Russia. I'm sure that there was corruption. So it's not just like a pure meritocracy with a monarchy, especially with a monarchy as opposed to capitalism. Like a monarchy kind of is like, hey, we're the top because we are the top. Um, but in capitalism, it's like we have a monarchy almost, but it's the big business, you know, like Jeff Bezos is the king. Mm -hmm. you know? um, but it's based off of the wealth that he's generated rather yeah. than, and, and you can, I guess, argue that that's, moral or not moral or he got lucky or whatever that's fine but as opposed to communism where you elect the person who's going to be at the top rather than having it be based on who created the most value it's just like okay this guy is now in charge and he will decide how much resources everyone gets and how much wealth everyone gets and i just feel like it's like who are the 
you know, who do you appoint? That's the biggest problem. Who do you appoint? Who are the angels that are, you know, flawless that are going to be able to totally decide how the wealth is distributed? And not only that, but like what resources people want. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I think what our, capitalism is really the more democratic because people are basically voting for who they want to be rich by what they buy. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos wouldn't be a billionaire if people didn't want to buy what he had. People yeah. are willing to pay for it. Other people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and if if he if people weren't willing to endorse it, then he wouldn't be rich. <laughs> Yeah, it's more, I mean, it's not perfect, but it, I maybe I just don't understand it because I've had so many people try and explain to me why socialism would be better, but I can't see how capitalism, capitalism just seems like how you would default if you just let people act in their own nature. It's like socialism seems like it's going in the face of human nature. You know, it's like, people there if you have a society there's a million different opinions and perspectives and people that are all acting in their own self-interest and so yeah you're right you cast a vote for jeff bezos when you buy something on amazon you cast a vote for you know apple or microsoft or whatever and that's why they're big they didn't steal it from anyone they didn't like they, they didn't poach it and we actually have laws so that you can't there's so, you know, predatory pricing. You can't do a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't see in my head, capitalism seems much more altruistic. Like it's a fair exchange or else you don't buy it, you know? Yeah. It, um, it kind of reminds me of the, have you read Animal Farm from George Orwell? No, I haven't. I've heard a lot about it. I should. It's, it's pretty short. Um, I listen, I just listened to the audiobook. It took like three hours, but, um, at the beginning, you know, they wanted to overthrow the humans running the farm because like, oh, they're oppressing us. Um, they have all this power and we have none. And so the pigs take charge and they overthrow the humans and they take control of the farm, you know. But now then the pigs are in charge. And at the end of the book, it's not really a spoiler, but at the end of the book, the other animals kind of look through the window of the farmhouse and they see the pigs um, conversing with the humans. And they're not able to tell the difference between which ones are pigs and which ones are humans. So it's kind of like any way the power shifts, there are going to be people that take advantage of it. Hmm. That makes me think of defund the police, right? Because it's so funny. It's like, why do we have these people that are appointed or whatever that have so much power? You know, they come and they have they have guns and they have power and they have authority over us. We need to get rid of them. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you're right. They're just like people, just like us. Let's get rid of them. It's like, okay, no more police. And in the meantime, to keep order, we made a special group of people that are citizens. We're going to have them wear special badges, you know, which ones are the special ones, and we're going to give them guns. But not police. Don't worry. <laughs> like, it seems like, like in, uh, did you hear about Chaz while you were on your mission? I heard a little bit about it and I, I read about it once I got home, but yeah, I was kind of gone for most of that. Well, it's, it's like that same kind of thing. It's like, well, we're going to, we're going to create a society 
that's above like an enlightened version of the society we have now. So we won't have police or we won't have like hierarchy or whatever. And then like those things are just created because that's how you run a society. Like, how do you keep order without police? And like, oh, we won't keep police. We'll just like have some people that, you know, we'll just like give AK-47s to a couple of people. But like, <laughs> yeah, I remember reading this article about some kind of vigilantes that took to the streets of Chaz. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no more police. We're the police now. It's like, oh, wait, so there is police? So you're the police, <laughs> I guess? <laughs> I mean, like, I get how the police aren't a perfect system. And I've heard, I've heard a couple of arguments that make sense, not defunding the police. I have not heard one argument of defunding the police that makes any sense. Cause then it's just like, and then what? Like, who do the police protect? Like the police, people think that the police <clears throat> are like an asset to the upper class, um, which I guess is kind of true, but majority of crime doesn't happen in the upper class. It's like, you go to Beverly Hills, that's not where the police are always roaming. The police are roaming in the lower class. So that's who they're protecting. And like, anyway, mm-hmm. I've heard, I think like reform makes sense to me. You know, like uh, one thing that I, an argument that I heard was that the police do too much, right? It's like, whoops, let me put that on silent. Um, it's like the police, if you have a drug problem you've got like a crackhead going crazy on the corner you call the police but also if there's like wild dogs you call the police and also if there's like a fire you call the police and you know like also if some angry customer at a grocery store is saying the f word too loud you call the police and so it makes sense that like the police can't just like know and be good at everything maybe there should be different factions of the police Maybe they need more certification. We need to pay them more. I, I don't know. I think reform makes sense, but like abolishing, like what? <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see both sides where I, I, I do think there could be some reform, like you were saying, some more training, maybe some longer training. Um, but if that were to be the case, then you'd actually have to give more funding to the police to actually give them better training instead of taking funding away from the police. I know. It's like those two thoughts can't coexist. It's like defund the police, but we need better police force. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I think one of the things that came out of that whole time period was um, a lot of those causes accidentally reinforced the exact opposite of what they stand for. Like there's all these protests, violent protests about the police. And one of the things that makes people think is like, oh my gosh, look how susceptible we are to violence. We need more protection. We need more police, you know? And it's like, it it, it seems to happen a lot, you know? Like a violent protest that's anti-gun makes people want to buy guns because it's a violent protest. To protect themselves. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I don't know the answer because I get that people, I've, I used to think protests were dumb. To be honest, I used to think it were worthless. I thought it was completely a waste of time. And I thought it was just like a tantrum. That was my initial thought. Like when Trump was elected and everyone went out and like smashed Starbucks and like, you know, just like screamed at the sky and just like put their middle fingers up and like, I'm so mad. Um, 
but I've changed my tune a little bit. I think it is, I think it does have value to protest. And I think that value is mostly showing other people that are at home that think the same way that you do, that there's more of you out there. And I think that's valuable where it's like, oh man, like I hate Donald Trump, but I'm alone. But I just saw this big protest that says like all these people in the street hate Donald Trump. And it, you know, it gives confidence to people that think the same. And I think that's valuable. I don't think riots and looting and carnage and violence is valuable. I think that that whoever is protesting in that way on either side loses credibility because then the other side can be like, oh, look, like, look how violent they are. Whatever they support must be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've, I, I think protests that have specific goals are also valuable. Like you look back to the civil rights era, the Martin Luther King protests mm-hmm. and the organized marches they did, all very peaceful and they had very specific goals. They wanted um, better voting rights, better um, circumstances for them. And they wanted to kind of get rid of the Jim Crow era mm-hmm. regulations. Whereas now I haven't really seen, besides, I guess, defunding the police, but I, I just hear a bunch of things about protesting against the system, but nothing really specific in the system. Yeah. It's like, oh, the system, system is racist. Okay, well, what do you want to change in it? Oh, well, it's just racist. You know, that I haven't really heard anyone bring up anything specific yeah. that needs to be changed, any specific policies that are discriminatory or really anything inhibiting people of color or that kind of thing. So it's, it's I don't know. It's yeah. kind of defeating the purpose of protest. Well, you're totally right. And when they do say specific things, we try and change them. You know, like, um, like again, I don't have a problem with the fact that they are protesting, but I agree with you where it's just like, take down the system, burn down the house. It's like, okay. Like, we can't just, like, what does that mean? What is the system? Are you talking about, like, the legal system? The legal system is vast and complicated. And they're like, no, this specific law. Okay. That specific law you're right like with black lives matter when they first came out it was the specific officer right like the guy who put his uh knee on on his neck and was like choking him and everything and, and that actually worked right because it's like well this officer we specifically want this guy to pay for the thing that he did and he did right i haven't really followed it that closely but i know that I mean, he went to jail i think he got convicted i don't really know how it ended up but I don't follow that kind of stuff that closely but that was like the right idea but when you just like kind of go out and like just like wave signs and you're just you know like angry it does help on the side of unity like I said like hey all these people think alike we're not alone that's powerful but sometimes like yeah like the racist system like hey what do you want me to do about it like what can I change I'm on your side what's racist I'll change it right now and then a lot of times, like, it's hard to answer that question. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know, maybe laughing is not the best response, but the really only examples that people bring up are past um, examples of racism. It's like, oh, yeah, because, you know, America was founded on slavery and there was Jim Crow. It's like, okay, yes. But that is all long since gone. What specifically now? Yeah. 
like if you have to go back 60 years to find the nearest example of systemic racism that means we live in a pretty non-racist system well yeah and especially when you yeah like the, the stuff i can't handle is the hyperbole when they talk about it. like america is the most racist country right now in the history of the world it's like america's not even as racist as it was 100 years ago first off america is nowhere near as racist as other countries in the world right now and it's for sure not racist more racist than those countries 100 years ago um like i i get the disparity it's like we we're talking about with the wealth like there is a disparity um there is a disparity between jeff bezos like a trillion dollar man and and when you look at only the disparity you start to feel like you're like what the heck i i like can minimum wage i'm making 750 an hour how can this guy be a trillion dollar man and that there's some like truth to that right like that is an unfair disparity um but that doesn't necessarily mean that the system is unfair and even if it does mean the system is unfair what's the alternative like ripping down the system and creating anarchy wouldn't be better for the guy who's making 750 an hour either it, right. it seems like almost every step we take to take down the rich or to take down the powerful or whatever ends up hurting the very people that it's trying to help and helping the people it's trying to hurt. Like look at the lockdown, for example. It's like, we need to, you know, it's like, the, look at all these rich people in power, like the, all this is going on and they like totally demolish all the small businesses like a small business can't make it through a lockdown like a Walmart mm-hmm. or like uh, an Amazon. In fact, Amazon has exploded because of the lockout. I bet. You know, so it's yeah. like, it's, it's just funny. It's like if you, it's like you, you can claim to be for the little guy, but sometimes the actions, you know, do speak louder than words, especially with the lockdown. Mm-hmm. It was kind of... Um... What's the word? It was, I hadn't really thought about that too much until the other day when dad was re- reading off a list of a bunch of companies that had gone bankrupt. And they were like, they were massive companies or they were well-known companies. Like for instance, Cirque du Soleil filed for bankruptcy. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's kind of like, whoa, like this is really having an effect on a lot of small businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many people like opened a boutique, you know, in a city and they spent their life savings and it was their dream and they finally had the courage to do it and then got locked down and they lost everything, you know? Right. It's just weird. It's a weird yeah. time period. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you wonder what's going to happen next, you know? I am so grateful for history. Um, we we're talking about Russia, you know? And because it, it feels like it would be so easy to make crazy assumptions, but because of history, we can see what's happened in the past and we don't have to make the same mistakes. It, it would be so easy, I feel like, to think revolution. You know, like so many people have said, and people literally come out and said, like, we need to revolt against the system, tear down the top. It's like, okay, but look back in history when the disparity is so great and you tear down the top, the French revolution, the communist revolution, 
you know, in Venezuela, it's like, that doesn't, it hasn't worked. You know, we have enough awareness to know what's not going to work. And so thank goodness for history that we're able to always be counterbalancing these points of views and not get too excited or invested in these ideas before we check if they've worked in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a sad reality that there will always be some form of disparity no matter circumstances. Because, you know, people are just, some people are smarter than others. Some people are just luckier than others. Some people are more talented. Some people work harder. Um, and so in every system, there's been disparities. So tearing one down one type is just going to create another one in a different way. Yeah. And it, it's not fair. Like, it's not completely fair. And, you know, I acknowledge that. Um, and there's corruption too. You know, it's not just like all these hardworking angels ended up as you know, the business leaders of the United States and all the dumb, poor people ended up impoverished. It's not that like, there's all kinds of corruption and there's illegal activity and there's, um, but again, I just always go back to like, okay, you're right. But so what, like, what, what can we do? You know, mm -hmm. there is going to be a disparity basically, no matter what you do. And like the harder you try and force the system, you know, it like, I don't know, it just doesn't work. There's just too many different types of people out there to try and force a system that one select group of people decides how it works. You know, like we're going to sell the essentials. Like that, what I remember from my history class is that the fall of the, um, the Soviet Union was because of like, TV or something or coffee, some something like that. I remember hearing that Soviets at the time were jealous of the United States because of the types of coffee that they had, something like that. I might be making up the product, but there was a specific product. Um, and they were like, well, our government, we have like the elite who decide what products we want and in what quantity. And they're like, okay, hey, we're gonna buy toilet paper and you're gonna watch this specific program on TV and we're gonna have like rice and beans, like all the important things and we'll get it from the farmers. We'll get everything we know what's best. And this is what you can buy. In the United States, like the market isn't perfect but like we don't really know what we want the most. There's no group of elites that could come out and say like, these are the products you want so we'll manufacture them. And these, you know, these are the, the resources that you need so we'll make them. Don't worry, we got it all figured out because like things like we don't, if we knew, if there was a group of people who knew what everyone wanted, then those people would make businesses and become billionaires like they have already. Like <laughs> something like Vine didn't work, but TikTok worked. Why? You know, yeah. like something like MP3 player didn't work, but the iPod worked. It's just, it's complicated. You know, there's just so many different, the market is so hard to figure out how can we trust it to a small group of elected officials that are going to know what's best for us. That just doesn't, doesn't add up in my head. Right. And then how are you expected to choose those officials? Yeah. Uh, it's like, I don't know. There's definitely a lot of people that are power hungry. I don't want to believe that people like Mussolini or Hitler or Stalin just stopped being born after World War II. Right. You know, there's probably there's still people like that that exist. 
And I, don't know, I feel like that's kind of system is more easily taken advantage of mm -hmm. when you have such a small people that hold all the power and decide what everyone else gets. Yeah, like with a communist system, you know, like a commune, like if, if, if it was a group like the hippies back in the 70s and 60s, like if you have a group of people who all decide that they want to live a certain way and they create like a cult or a religion or something like that, and you can, you can actually do it, right? Like if, if I go out and get 15 friends and I pick my friends based on our matching ideologies and I say, all of us are going to make this communist um, house and we're going to live here, we're going to share everything, we're all going to work and we're all going to share everything we get from work and all of our wealth so that we can all thrive together. And one guy breaks his leg, we'll all work harder because you might break your leg next month. And that's fine. And I actually do think that that would work. But the problem is in that same house, once one guy is not on board, then it completely falls apart. It's like, oh, we're all working. We're all working for, well, I'll put our money into one pot. Okay, I'll stop. Because now I don't have to work and I can get everything from the one pot, you know, or like, mm. I'm sick. I'll always be sick. Sweet. I can still get the same amount of money as the guys that are working. Um, and that's the problem. Like if you take everyone's guns away, it only takes one person who is crazy and is violent and has guns to dominate everyone else. That's, that's the problem I keep running into. It's like the ideal is a correct ideal. A lot of the time, like, guns are bad like not maybe not guns are bad guns kill people is correct right and guns have caused a lot of harm is correct and sharing is good and community is good those are all good ideals but trying to be forced down the throat of human nature where not all humans are good mm -hmm. so it doesn't always add up it's like if you take all the guns from the good people who has all the guns yeah. <laughs> I know it's not that simple I, I know that there's more nuance to it and I don't totally understand it but some piece seems to be missing <laughs> yeah and that's another thing where like yeah maybe we can have more regulations for who can buy guns some kind of training involved with purchasing a firearm but um the argument has just been some swung so far one way where it's like, okay, all guns are legal, no one has guns. But when has more laws stopped people from breaking them? Yeah, you know? think about prohibition. Like when yeah. we got rid of alcohol and it's like, became the most crime-ridden <laughs> time period in American history and yeah. alcohol and like surged, you know, like... I, I wish there was a way to... Well, I don't know if I wish this. What a better way to say it is there isn't a way to change human nature so far to the point where no one will ever be tempted to break laws. Yeah. And in fact, that's not really even what you want, right? I mean, if you were able to do that, that's what Satan wanted to do, right? No more agency. Yeah. And, you know, even good law-abiding americans i guarantee you every single american has sped at some point on the road even though it's clearly posted there that's the speed you're supposed to go i guarantee you everyone has sped it's like something so simple and yet everybody breaks that law mm -hmm. so it's just like yeah what is the um form of government now in russia do you know um i'm not entirely familiar i do need to research more 
because we weren't super involved with politics while we were there. Right. Um, but I know they, they have a president. Putin has been president for like 20 something years. <laughs> um, I heard a lot of things that they have a constitution as well. And I heard a lot of things about how people were upset that they believed they had American help writing the constitution. Hmm. What do you mean? So like I remember seeing this protest on the street one time where these people had the sign. And it was like, it's like American aid on the constitution. Like this constitution is really ours is from a foreign government. Hmm. Um, besides that, I don't know a whole lot about how the, the government works. I've heard a lot of opinions, both good and bad about Putin. Um, I've heard some people have very poor opinions about the government as a whole. So apparently after the fall of the Soviet Union, there was a lot of chaos, of course. And I think a lot of things were ruled mostly by the mob, which makes sense in an anarchist society, the mob would take control. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, apparently a lot of the people who were in the mob then became the political officials, the governing officials. Hmm. Interesting. Is that the KGB? Is that different? No, that's like the government like sanctioned. Yeah. Like the police kind of. It's like a Russian mafia is what you're saying. Yeah. So you think that there's still, I mean, I guess there's no way to know, but you think that there's still like Russian influence or Russian mafia influence in the government? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I do know that Putin is, he's very interesting how he's maintained authority. It's like he was president for the number of terms. And so they do have like a kind of a, a term limit, but only in a row. So you can only certain, you can only serve a certain amount of terms in a row. And so he did that. He stepped down and became the prime minister while somebody else was president for a term. And then after that, he was the president again. Interesting. Yeah. So, how long is the term? I don't know. I have to research more again. <laughs> That's interesting. Can you imagine if like Trump was the president and then he became the vice president and then he became the president again? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I guess we have term limits, but he, uh, I've heard that he's going to run again in 2024. Really? Oh man, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. Oh, that would be crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, I never, I never, uh, I kind of cut you off earlier. What do you think is inaccurate about the stereotypes about Russia? Um, I don't know. I never saw a bear. (laughs) (laughs) What? Were you really in Russia? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the people actually, they're not mean. I think there's kind of a stereotype of Russians are like super mean. Um, but for the most part, people were really, really kind. Um, they're always willing to help. And they're pretty friendly once you'd start them up. But there's kind of like a hard shell at first. Once you get someone talking, they were super friendly, super willing to help for the most part, at least. Hmm. Is there something that you miss about Russia? Um, Sometimes I wish I miss um, how genuine people were. 
like the perfect example, my first companion that I lived with, we were at a, at someone, one of our friends' houses there and we were showing pictures of us from when we were younger. And he was showing pictures from when he was in high school. And the lady was like, oh, wow, like you were fat. <laughs> <laughs> like at first, like we probably think that would be kind of rude, but they just like, a lot of people, they would just say exactly how things were. They wouldn't try to sugarcoat things or make you feel good about yourself. Um, they just tell you how it is. And I really liked it. It was kind of a breath of fresh air. That's awesome. They do that in uh, in Brazil too. They're like, they had a, a very specific way of speaking that we don't have in the United States where they, it's in Spanish too, where you can call someone like, oh, hey, yeah, you gorginho, which means like fatso basically, but it's like endearing in their language, you know? Um, and so you, you get humbled pretty quick because I got called both on my mission. I got called fatso and skinny guy because I lost so much weight. <laughs> like, e -E, magrinho. And you're just like, oh yeah. Like it's basically if someone walks in like, hey, you skinny bag of bones, you know? <laughs> and then the other side of that is that when someone gives you a compliment, you know that they actually mean it. Because if they didn't mean it, they would tell you what they actually thought. It's like, yeah. I had, I had some people when I was trying to speak to them, they'd be like, wow, you are terrible at speaking Russian. Like, <laughs> like, um, and then later, as I got to learn more, people were like, wow, like you speak really well. And then I was able to know that they actually believe that I spoke well. Yeah, that's a, that is a really good way to feel confident about something is when you get a compliment from someone that's usually like very brutally honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, Patrick, I know you have to go. You have an appointment with the missionaries, but um, thanks for jumping on. We should do this again for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun to talk. Yeah, let's do it again. I'll we'll we'll figure out another time. All right. Well, have a good rest of your Sunday. You too, yeah. Patrick. Talk Stay. to you later. Yeah. Bye.